Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, July 5th, 2017, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-host for the evening, Anastasia. Lavendar is on assignment tonight. Our Starseed quest to Arkansas in August is full, but the next one is in November for Pleiadian lineup, which is November 17th through the 20th, and there will be a new moon for that one. This is a sole family reunion, and only star seeds with at least one natal marking at galactic degree are eligible. This event has been redesigned to cover four days, making it much more affordable than the week-long quests were. So for more info, please write to crystals, that's plural, C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-S, at starseedhotline.com. With the August Harmonic Convergence anniversary coming up, and that being so connected to Atlantis, tonight we're presenting material from Lavendar's vault that holds much information about Atlantis. You'll hear several chapters on the music of the spheres, flower essences, colors, and taking your power. And because tonight's show was pre-recorded, we won't be taking any callers at the end. And you can read many chapters from Lavendar's Vault on our website in our Vault of Knowledge. And you can find that at starseedhotline.com. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest to starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. Check out our online starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other starseeds thanks to Tammy's dedication and help with our forum. You can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk if you want. And if you'd like to show your support of our program, please click follow on our page here, and you'll get our weekly show notices. The toll-free number for StarseedHotline.com is 888-881-0881. The Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. For those who need healing of any kind, emotional, physical, or spiritual, for yourself or your pets, Tammy's powerful remote sessions will make a difference. If you have a birthday coming up, don't miss out on your 10 hours of power. You can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. And please keep in mind that if you want the Stage 2 interpretation of that chart, you'll need to order it about two or three months ahead of time to make sure you get it in before your 10 hours happens because we do have a waiting list. So first this evening, I would like to introduce Anastasia with her wonderful Starseed News. <laughs> Good evening, Ariel. Good evening, Starseed listeners. Great to be with you on this beautiful summer's evening. Well, we've had a massive explosion on the far side of the sun. This happened two days ago. NASA and European spacecraft observed a massive explosion on the far side of the sun. It was Excuse me, it was a spectacular CME that tore through the sun's atmosphere, and it now appears to be en route to, guess where, to Mars. Now, Earth won't feel the effects of this blast because of its location on the opposite side of the sun. However, the source of the eruption, an old sunspot spot named AR-2665, will turn back toward our planet in early August, possibly bringing a new round of geomagnetic storms and auroras. Well, they've discovered something brand new in out of the ocean. It's a massive, brand new, two-ton species of sunfish that was discovered after it washed up on a beach in New Zealand. Now, a group of international researchers had been studying this particular Pacific region for four years before making their discovery. This is the first new species of this type of fish in over 130 years. A two-ton sunfish. Wow. That's 4,000 pounds. Yeah, that's just amazing. I, I didn't see any pictures, but I ought to look that up and see what I can find. Surely that's been photographed. <clears throat> An amazing wow. thing. Mm-hmm. Well, wow. uh, 
concerning news, speaking of the ocean, you know, we've talked about that enormous garbage patch out there in the Pacific. Well, a team of scientists has confirmed the existence of another ocean garbage patch, this time in a remote area of the South Pacific. Now, unlike that famous patch in the Northern Pacific that we've been talking about, which has long been, now long been, one of the world's most recognizable symbols of pollution, the new patch is an area that had previously been studied and undiscovered. Now, the high degree of plastic pollution was uncovered by a team of volunteer researchers who took a six-month voyage scouting the oceans looking for this. Now, researchers say the southern patch could be as big as a million square kilometers, one and a half times the size of Texas. Wow. Good grief. Good grief. God. We need a, uh, a real starseed solution to that problem, I'll tell you. <clears throat> I've read some things on the show before about um, some of these wonderful, bright young people that are coming up with things that will consume plastic and so on. That just needs to be brought to the fore as quickly as possible. I was reading an article, I think, well, actually, I think I shared it with you on the news not too long ago, about the amount of uh, plastic that's being absorbed by the fish that we eat and thereby, thereby is coming into our own bodies. So it really has a horrendous impact on our environment. Anyway, now there's two of them. Plastic, plastic everywhere. Well, in the uh, North Pacific Ocean, for the first time since 1974, over uh, 40 years, uh, there are eight tropical cyclones spinning simultaneously. They say it's an impressive feat. Uh, they say that f eight storms are sp were spinning at one time on Saturday, July 22nd. Now, it's not unheard of to see multiple tropical cyclones at the same time, <laughs> eight at once, Pretty darned unusual and pretty amazing. Eight at one time. Wow. Well, um, roughly in, uh, in, in Japan, roughly 120,000 residents were ordered or advised to evacuate on Sunday as the risk of flooding and landslides rose following torrential rain in Japan. Now, amazingly, no injuries have been reported so far. But the storm has called, caused flooding along the stretches of certain rivers um, that are deemed at risk for overflowing their banks. So they've had a lot of rain in, uh, in Japan. But just the opposite side of the coin in Rome. Rome is now facing water rationing as the city bans pumping water from the drought-hit Lake Bracciano. Yep. Authorities have ordered to stop halt uh, to stop pumping water out of that lake near Rome because there's been a prolonged drought, and they say that this could uh, force city officials to impose water rationing all the way around in the capital of Rome. Now, the utility firm that runs Rome's Rome's runs—that's hard to say. The utility firm that manages Rome's water system has said that two years of lower-than-average rainfall has dramatically reduced water levels in reservoirs that are feeding the city and watering the inhabitants because there's been a prolonged ongoing heat wave that's making matters worse in, in Italy. Well, a Greek holiday island had a terrible earthquake just a couple of days ago. On Saturday, uh, the Greek island of Kos uh, is was struggling uh, to recover, uh, is struggling to recover from a quake that killed a couple of people and injured hundreds of others. And tourists were facing flight delays and because there was a damaged harbor that was closed for two days in a row. The earthquake was a 6.7, and it was so bad that it left hundreds of more people injured uh, about 12 miles across the sea uh, in a Turkish resort of a, a place called Bodrum. And so the quake struck on Friday. Uh, the report of the damage came through on Saturday. And as of today, on Tuesday, I don't know what's been going on, but it really shook things up, 6.7 quake in Greece. And uh, in New Orleans, they've had some really heavy rainfall. They got four inches in an hour. Four inches in an hour, folks. That wow. is a downpour, an amazing amount of water. This article says that quick, heavy rains poured across Metro New Orleans on Saturday afternoon, 
um, there was a flood advisory placed over New Orleans. They say that the New Orleans Sewage and Water Board said over four inches. It was actually 4.24, almost four and a quarter inches of water fell over the metro area in a single hour. Many roadways were flooded. People were stranded. So a lot of rain in New Orleans. And in Pearl City, Illinois, wow, little town of Pearl City, Illinois, is experiencing what their fire chief is now calling a 100-year flood. Now, interesting they call it that because he goes on to say that, quote, this is probably our fourth 100-year flood in about 14 years, end quote. But he says that the current floodwaters are about a foot above the level they reached in 2010, and it's not even crested yet. And all roads in and out of the town of Pearl City, Illinois, from the northeast and west are impassable. A lot of water. Well, I want to thank a Starseed listener who sent these articles, and uh, they're very, very interesting, and I'm sharing with you, them with you tonight. Uh, the headline on this piece says that Facebook can track your browsing even after you've logged out. Now, what's this story about? It comes from The Guardian, by the way, in early July. A judge dismissed a lawsuit accusing Facebook of tracking users' web browsing activity even after they logged out of the social networking site. Now, the plaintiffs to this lawsuit allege that Facebook used the like buttons found on other websites to track which sites they visited, meaning that the Menlo Park, California headquartered company could build up detailed records of their browsing history. Now, clicking on the Facebook Like button on third-party website, for example, allows people to share pieces of content to Facebook without having to copy and paste the link into a status update on the Facebook page. Now, when a user visits a page with an embedded button, like a Like button, the web browser sends information to both Facebook and the server where the page is located. Now, the plaintiffs argued that this violated federal and state privacy and wiretapping laws. But the U.S. District Judge in San Jose dismissed this case because he said that the plaintiffs failed to show that they had a reasonable expectation of privacy or that they suffered any realistic economic harm or loss. He said that the plaintiffs could have taken steps to keep their browsing histories private for example, by using the Digital Advertising Alliance's opt-out tool, which, by the way, websites don't have to honor, or by using the incognito mode of their browser, and that the plaintiffs had failed to show that Facebook illegally intercepted or eavesdropped on their communications. Now, to address privacy concerns, Facebook has introduced a way for users to opt out of this type of advertising targeting from within their user settings. And that's just not all there is to talk about. Um, they really are um, developing very complex and astonishing algorithms based on our browsing history and what we do on the Internet. We really are tracked at every turn, and we think, well, you know, it's just bits or bytes or whatever. But actually, um, this is becoming a science. They are in, in China, actually. There was an article about the Chinese government uh, actually tracks the Chinese citizens' uh, movement on the Internet, and it gives them a score. And it's based on an emotional or a, a social adaptability, um, let's say, proclivity. Certain things that you say may have a negative connotation, they may have a positive con connotation, or they may be neutral. Well, the Chinese government evaluates that, the data from people's Internet browsing, and gives them a social credit card. And uh, it's going to become pretty active and widespread, like a driver's license here in the next few years. They've already begun to implement it. But it's had the chilling effect, of course, as they are predicting this will as well in the United States, of um, stunting free speech and um, implementing more conforming behaviors because people that know they're being watched and that understand that data is being accumulated about them uh, begin then to not do what they would normally do when they're online or say things they would normally say, uh, being aware that, you know, they're being watched, 
they're being cataloged uh, and categorized based on uh, personality profiles, what they like, what they don't like. It's amazing the kinds of things that they can tell now from a person uh, by following their data. And this is big science. They're really, really into it. So uh, a lot of, uh, let's say, um, social engineers are, are considering that perhaps this is going to chill free speech and... Um, really be a detriment to democracy and to human freedom in the long term. So anyway, but that's uh, that's what Facebook is doing, and that's what's been happening uh, on the legal front about that case. They lost. Judge said, no, not going to hurt you. So in this case, user beware. User beware. Be mindful if you don't want your information uh, all over the place being cataloged. Um, all right. Well, this is a fascinating story. This comes from Autoblog. The headline reads, Workhorse Surefly is the next step toward a flying car. Well, now, when I was a child, um, at the cutting edge when science fiction and, and new science was becoming the wave of the future, there were always dreams about flying cars. We had the Jetsons cartoons and, and such as that. I'm giving away my age. But nevertheless, um, the flying car was promised to us at some point in the future. Well, we don't have flying cars yet, but until we do, uh, we might want to try to manage with something like the recently revealed Workhorse Surefly. What in the world's that? It's a compact, lightweight, and relatively affordable helicopter that could be the next toy for taxi drivers or board members of the 1%, the very wealthy. Now, at first glance, this little helicopter looks like a people-sized drone. It has four arms and eight rotor, rotors, and it doesn't look too much like a, a traditional helicopter, which has, what, one single rotor. This has eight rotors. Well, at the end of each arm, it's got a bunch of rotors. Anyway, it's odd-looking. It really does look like a drone. It operates uh, on a, um, a, a lithium-ion battery pack. They've got a couple of them on there. Uh, they use that as a backup in case the gasoline engine fails. It's powered by gas. It has a backup by a battery <clears throat> in case your gas conks out. You don't want to crash land, so it's got a battery that kicks in to keep you flying for about five minutes, enough to land your little helicopter. And if that fails, then there's a parachute that's mounted in the center of this uh, Surefly. They say that it uh, it will seat uh, 1,100 pounds. Um, it, uh, it, they're talking about it being used for taxi service. They say the total range of this uh, personal helicopter is about 70 miles or about one hour of flight time. And um, they say there's, uh, you know, because it runs on gas, you don't have to recharge a battery. It has a ceiling, uh, flight ceiling of 4,000 feet. And actually, you can order one right now. You can reserve one. Now, you need about $200,000 to buy it. But maybe for a personal helicopter, that might not be too bad. With the same money, you could buy a Porsche <laughs> or a McLaren mm -hmm. 570 GT or an Audi R8. But, you know, maybe if you don't want, don't want to drive in a car and you'd like a helicopter, there you go. You can buy your very own. Seat two people and take you for uh, about an hour or so. Amazing. And, you know, I wonder... Mm -hmm. Is that going to be distract, distracting to the rest of us that are driving down you know, interstates and these little helicopters? Are, <laughs> I don't know. Interesting. We'll see how that works out. I don't suppose <laughs> there's a lot of people around there with $200,000 to buy one. Well, um, red alert. <clears throat> Mind-reading technology can now decode complex thoughts. We talked about this before. Uh, in the past, uh, mind-reading systems have been able to guess what, single, what a single-digit number a person might be thinking of. Uh, but deeper thoughts have been beyond the technology's reach. Well, not anymore. Now a team from Carnegie Mellon University has developed a way to accurately read more complex concepts from a brain scan and even piece together entire sentences. Now, this university team found that the building blocks the mind uses to construct thoughts are made up of concepts rather than being based on words themselves. Well, of course, the brain itself operates on symbol. So, yes, very true. 
The article goes on to say that this suggests that the brain processes concepts in a universal way. Well, yes, of course it does. That's why symbols are a universal language. Now, the study tested how the brain decodes complex thoughts and how an MRI scanner, with a little help from the machine learning algorithms, can decode those thoughts. Meaningful components like person, setting, size, social interaction, and physical action are processed in different parts of the brain, so this system can pick out the general category of what's on a person's mind. And uh, the next step, they say, will to be decode the general type of topic a person is thinking about, such as maybe geology or skateboarding. They say that they are on the way to making a map of all the types of knowledge in the human brain. Wow. <laughs> it takes invasion of privacy to a whole other level. You know, it's just it's going to be an unrecognizable world if it's still around and it still continues the way it's going in the next... We won't even know where we are. It's going to be completely different. Well, you know, we all think about synchronicities, don't we? Well, when I saw this article, I thought, oh, you've got to be kidding me. And I want to give you just a little bit of background story. It's it's very minor. I, I just want to share it with you. Recently, in about the last three weeks, um, when I go to check out at a, at a store at the counter, there are these boxes and boxes of something they call fidget spinners. Have you seen them, Ariel? No. Do you know what they are? Well, they're just they're just everywhere in my area. I mean, every store sells these things. And I think, what in the world are those? And so after about the, what, the 50th time I'd seen boxes of them, I asked the young clerk, what is that? She said, oh, that's, that's uh, to help people to focus. Um, they invented them for ADHD, and it's about keeping your hands occupied so you can keep a, an even train of thought, and they're called fidget spinners. And I've been pondering that. I've been thinking about how society and the world now has, has be, uh, become at such a pace People can't find their silence, and they can't find stillness, and they can't find spaciousness, which are three of the Buddhist concepts toward the attainment of enlightenment and inner realization and um, liberation from the path of um, of uh, difficulty. Well, that's been on my mind very heavily. And then I read yesterday that there's been a crop circle discovered that looks exactly like a fidget spinner. Which, what? to my way of thinking, I'm going, hmm, how does this tie in with the consciousness of our time and what is going on and the bigger implications of the need and the compulsion to own fidget spinners and so on? Well, here's the story, and that was the background, but um, fidget spinner had been on my mind so much the last few days, and then this showed up. I thought, wow. And... Everything's connected, so there's a connection there. <clears throat> but uh, the residents of West, West Sussex woke up Friday morning to discover a mysterious crop circle that had been created in a nearby field and looks, as according to the article, just like a recent children's craze, the fidget spinners. The unusual design was spotted this week in West Sussex, and experts are believing the mysterious markings appear to be most definitely a fidget spinner because there are four circular arms linked to a, a central hub. It's about a 200-foot formation, and um, the crop circle expert from Avesbury said that this is a great formation. It certainly could be the world's largest fidget spinner, although <laughs> we have no idea who or how or what created it. So there you have it. You want to look that up on the Internet, look up Fidget Spinner Crop Circle in West Sussex and have a look-see. So that's it for tonight's news, Ariel. I look forward to being with everybody again next week. Well, thank you so much, Anastasia. I'm, I'm, st <laughs> I'm still wondering some of those stories. Yeah. I mean, it's just odd. Uh, and, it, and it really is very... <clears throat> It's very deeply symbolic and metaphysical at the condition of <clears throat> average consciousness as people are struggling to um, keep a balance in the world that is in such a state of rapid change. And I just think it's interesting that uh, that crop circle turned up like that, but all crop circles are interesting. So 
but lots of things happening at, at extremely rapid rates all around us. It's just exponentially expanding. Um, every area of life is going through marked changes. So this is the time that we live. Very interesting times indeed, and um, really very choice time to be alive. And I know everybody else knows that too, so I'm preaching to the choir on that one. <laughs> but anyway, from my heart to each one of you, much love. Have a beautiful week, and we'll talk again next time. And you too, Ariel. You have a beautiful week. Thank you so much, Anastasia, and you as well. So um, right now I am going to um, introduce our presentation. This is um, several chapters from Lavendar's Vault, and very much connected to Atlantis. So with that, I want you to sit back, relax, and listen to our presentation for this evening. And thank you so much for listening. Well, tonight we're bringing two more chapters out of Lavendar's Vault, and I have the pleasure of being the one to present it. The subjects are Music of the Spheres, and flower essences. This information came in the form of a transmission to Lavendar from a Pleiadian commander named Navitar. The first one is dated April 4, 1987 on the island of Aruba and the subject is Music of the Spheres. One of the reasons that we have music on Earth is because in the making of creation everywhere, there are harmonics that come together and blend in the Creator's energy fields. It is this orchestration of harmonics that brings forth life on every level. Harmonics can be used for creative or destructive measures concerning the use of music. As man's consciousness changes on the planet, so does the music that he composes as well. At higher levels of awareness, the music of the spheres can be heard and felt. Many just feel it and never hear it in their consciousness, which is why some composers rely heavily on alcohol and drugs to receive glimpses of the music of the spheres. The frustration of trying to bring back to earth their experiences on these celestial levels usually contributes to the mental and nervous breakdowns of many talented musicians. Music can calm and soothe the soul. Some magnificent works have been delivered by that great conductor of the sky over many centuries. Masters from other planets decided to come to Earth to bring music to the people, and it is through their efforts and their unselfish love nature that music has been refined to co-creator space. It has saddened some departed masters, not saddened in the earth sense, but saddened in a galactic sense, that some music has been devised to break the will and the spirit of man on the planet. It was never designed for this purpose. It was to help man and contribute to his or her physical, emotional, spiritual, and psychic nature. It was to extend energies that would contribute on every level of awareness to every luminous fiber of their being, a power of creative God space. It was to help them remember that through harmonics lies the keys to God manifestation. It was not brought forth for man to dominate or to control others, but to help uplift others so that when the time would be right, that everyone everywhere could fly free in co-creator God consciousness. Music can be coded. Repeat, music can be coded. It is this reason that we bring you on this day this information about music. There are some songs that have within them harmonics, when heard, that set off a chain reaction among people. Notice what the song We Are the World did to so many around the globe. It was a magnificent feat of accomplishment on many levels of awareness. It carried with it energies of oneness, unity of purpose, and great healing vibrations. Music is definitely the strongest and most powerful common denominator among your people. 
When used properly and responsibly, it can help transform the entire world. When used improperly, it can contribute to the downfall of man through his search for peace and contentment. Yes, music is universal, but think of it also as being celestial and galactic, and that other advanced life forms also use it in their experiments with other planets. This takes place through a process that you would call coding. Certain combinations of harmonics, when brought together, set forth spirals of invisible energy that can accelerate or deteriorate cellular blood coding in the physical body. Part of the plan of Experiment 3 from the Pleiadians consisted of many factors, one of which had to do with the coding of the blood which could be empowered or destroyed by harmonic vibrations in certain harmonic states. Not only the Pleiadians, but other species as well, use this method of instructing levels of awareness. Some species have been known throughout the universe to enslave entire planets with the power of vibrational music. This has been considered one of the strongest violations of cosmic law ever devised by co-creator gods. Look at some of the music that is being played today on your planet. Some are degrading to the human spirit and plummet the children of your world into despair and depressional states of existence. Many suicides can now be traced back to destructive vibrational music. Drugs may contribute, but the coating is so precise and is targeted to some carrying certain kinds of blood coating. These beings who have contributed these distortions of vibrational music want to help keep the planet in bondage and away from interstellar commerce with other planets. Think of it as a cosmic chess move to keep Earth from rightly joining other sister planets in the solar system. Yes, Earth is in a kindergarten stage of development and not as advanced as some of the other neighboring planets. It is for that reason that some have volunteered to come to Earth either as a star person, walk-in, or light worker. The need for assistance became well known through the entire galaxy and millions have joined in this gigantic effort to help planet Earth evolve into a more balanced state. Not only is work being done directly on the grid system in Mother Earth, but strong support is being extended on many levels of awareness to the people. This is one reason that music is such an intricate part of the gigantic balancing procedure. Without the proper vibrational patterns of music, it cannot be done. Know that. Take a long look at that concept. Believe it. It is part of every life form on your planet. One of the reasons that Atlantis was destroyed was because of the misuse of power in many areas, but the misuse of vibrational music contributed heavily to the final decision to wipe Atlantis off the face of the earth, and wiped it was. For thousands of years, it has remained buried under the Atlantic Ocean with very little physical evidence surfacing to acknowledge the possibility that such a continent even existed. How could such an advanced race of people destroy themselves? What was the contributing factor behind the scrubbing of an entire species? What cosmic law was broken? And who were the souls that lived then? Are they back now? These are some of the questions that we would like those hearing this to ask themselves. If you have lived at that period of time, then what was your contribution to this action? That should raise the hair on the back of your necks, for almost all of you have been connected to Atlantis in one form or another, if not directly, then indirectly through others that you have known and loved on this planet. No one ever really escapes the memories of Atlantis. In the last days of Atlantis, a group of scientists got together and decided that the people should be controlled by vibrational music. A device was engineered to wear on the head. It consisted of quartz crystal, ruby, gold, silver, and copper. Everyone was to wear this device, and if they didn't, then punishment would ensue. It was the theory of the High Council of Elders that Atlantis would become a more productive country if energies could be controlled 
through orchestrating the people, and certain music was designed to enhance the daily workers that kept all the parts of the country in operation. The people liked the music and looked forward to the new and visualizing vibrational patterns. They didn't mind this kind of control, not really. They felt better and became model citizens and the growth and advancement was visible. So the practice of wearing the headsets became as normal as everyone wearing clothing. The masses just never thought that the headset they were wearing every day would contribute to the downfall of one of the most advanced civilizations that your planet has ever known. Had they even suspected that it would be turned on them, maybe, just maybe, the story of Atlantis would have been different. When Poseidon became king, who in your present knowing was John Fitzgerald Kennedy, the land of Atlantis was an outpost to some neighboring planets and many species came to visit Atlantis and its people. It was an experiment of sorts, yes. Just think of it as a huge experiment that got carried away with itself. Poseidon was Pleiadian in blood coating and ruled for a very long time. He was a gracious and kind king but ruled his people in such a way that they would have laid down their lives for him had he asked it. Later, when he was Abraham Lincoln, he asked it in the war between the North and South. Later, when he was John Kennedy, he asked it for Vietnam. He had many children and was dearly loved by all except one, his oldest, Orpheus Marcus, who is now incarnated as Ronald Reagan, former President of the United States of America. When Poseidon died, Orpheus Marcus took the throne, and it was not his father's wish that he do so. But when Poseidon was poisoned with an extraterrestrial substance, then he had no say about the matter. This poisonous substance had far-reaching effects even after the death of the physical body. The soul experienced explosions of energy similar to magnetic storms of the sun. There is no other way to describe this. Now, more detail about the building and music in Atlantis. The buildings had music coming from the walls. As a person walked on the quartz cobbled streets, the music in the headset would be stimulated by the energies of the quartz in the streets. There was a substance similar to mortar between the quartz stones that would keep the people from getting tired and also help further the coatings of the music. People's dispositions and attitudes were all controlled by vibrational conditioning through music, color, and subliminal brain control. As long as the people were peaceful and happy, everything seemed to be going just fine. When Orpheus Marcus took over, he commissioned some scientists to further their experimentation and through his lack of discernment and love of power, he helped to destroy all of the good works of his father. Scientists discovered chemicals that would speed up a person's energy pattern and other chemicals that would slow them down. Today, scientists have come close to duplicating these drugs, but not exactly. Orpheus Marcus decided to change a few laws to suit himself and declared that the law of one should be abolished, along with women having any rights whatsoever. He also destroyed the marital system and allowed a man to have more than one wife. He started to destroy within himself first all of his spiritual knowledge and reasoning and later extended those beliefs to his people. With control of their minds, bodies, and souls, he was able to program an entire race of people the way he wanted them to be. Later, after several years, he started changing the DNA and RNA code of the people and helped to create monsters that were half human and half animal, the things, as they were called. Mutations started to happen with much regularity. Celestial messengers came to warn him of his evil doings. They told him that if he did not reverse his error, that forces would be let loose that would destroy the entire country. This he did not believe, as he was totally consumed with his power and was, by this time, a drug addict and could not be reasoned with at all. 
Another use for the headsets was of an educational value. People would go to various learning centers for their education. They would enter by using a punch card that would keep records of how many times they visited the learning center. When one would return, he would have to show the card because one could not go there too often. This could cause a mental breakdown if misused. One would simply lay back in a special chair that would align the body to different electromagnetic fields. The headset would be placed with a quartz crystal over the third eye. A disc would be placed in the headset and music, color, and sounds would enhance the vibrational conditioning of the learning process. This kind of learning was fed at harmonic rates that caused very high levels of awareness to take place. What would take one year to learn in reading could be obtained in minutes at this very accelerated rate of comprehension. This is how the education of the people was conducted. After the session was over, the headset would be worn with certain music reaffirming everything that was beamed from the headset earlier. It was through this educational manner that discs were tampered with and the distortions were set in motion. People had given up their will in order for a saner society to develop. Once the will was gone, they were nothing more than robots waiting for instructions or destruction. There were a few that had their wills, and it was through them that a rebellion started. Some left and even went to other countries. Atlantis was an experiment that failed. The perfect society was, in the end, a disgusting, demonic, grotesque misuse of power. All that had participated in this atrocity would have other lessons to learn. Eventually, when the cosmic calendar returned, they would be placed together with the same leaders, same scientists, but with a different script. This is happening now and as we speak to you this day of your counting. So you see how and why music is so important at this time, especially since thousands of people walk around with Walkmans and headsets on their heads. Music has been composed to destroy the youth of your planet. Know how to recognize this music and when to say no to this music. Know that dark forces will infiltrate your consciousness through this music. Take a stand now and be not a part of composing, writing, distributing, or playing these discords that will help destroy the spiritual nature of mankind. On the other hand, there are some composers that are writing brilliant harmonics and are readily lifting up the spirits of people everywhere. The music of the spheres belongs in another dimension that is true, and there are those that have access to this dimension now and are bringing forth the celestial messages. And it is signed, Navitar. This next chapter was a transmission to Lavendar on December 16, 1983 in Rio de New Mexico, and the subject is Flower Essences. One of nature's greatest gifts to humans and animals has been the creation of flowers. The infinite creator designed frequencies to be set forth into each and every flower that would enhance man's and animal's stay on the planet of Earth. Different species of plants came to Earth at different times of man's evolution. As man needed the vibrations, then the celestial forces were put to work to accommodate man to make his stay more pleasurable. There are energies placed in all living things which function within all plant and mineral kingdoms. These energies are called divas or spirit divas. They, re they reside in an etheric form of dimensional manifestation. Lemuria and Atlantis were two places where a great abundance of flowers and spirit divas were present for man's evolutionary process. The Lemurians worked with flowers that resonated to the infinite creator's plan. Each flower had a particular use and function for maintaining harmonious vibration and balance. Many Lemurians used flower essence 
as a key for communication to higher orders. Some very highly evolved beings decided to reside inside the plants and flowers to help in this communication. It was their intention never to incarnate into human form, but to reside outside of flesh and to maintain the life force of the up-spiral creation by passing the laws that were created for man. The Lemurians used flower essences for spiritual growth and for enhancing the physical body with great regenerative powers. There came a time when the Lemurians and the Diva spirits coexisted into the plants and flowers. Some Lemurians advanced spiritually enough to manifest totally into the plants and flowers, and they became the spirit forces of balance. Lemurian flowers were transported to Atlantis, and some new flowers and plants were even created exclusively for the Atlanteans. Flower essences were commonly used in Atlantis for spiritual and physical regeneration also. The flora and fauna of nature were closely watched and monitored by celestial forces helping to guide the planet into up-spiral manifestation. But because of free will, some mad scientists started experimenting with genetic engineering and were successful at crossbreeding some plants that were producing chaotic results. Some of their work got so out of hand that some species had to be completely destroyed or taken off the planet. These mad scientists became obsessed with power and domination of the lower classes. Some plants and flowers were created to break down man's willpower and make him subservient to the ruling class. Drugs were created to stimulate the nervous system and to cause workers to never tire. Then other drugs were administered at night to let them sleep. Uppers and downers were the way of life for the servants of Atlantis, and so it also seems that many today have fallen into that pattern. During the last 30 years of Atlantis, the mad scientists took it upon themselves to create monsters within the plant and animal kingdom. Experimentations of genetic engineering between animals and humans produced a breed later known as the Things. These were pathetic creatures, for they were torn between the human and animal world. Their emotional nature could not be trusted, and so they eventually were destroyed or taken off the planet. An offshoot of these experiments filtered into Egypt, and some of these descendants were depicted as half-man and half-animal. Many Egyptian statues show half-bird, half-man, half-lion, half-man, half-cow, half-man, etc. About the same period of time when the mad scientists were experimenting with plants and animals, another group of scientists had developed ways to use the great crystal. They soon learned how to control the weather by their manipulation of the crystal. A power struggle began even among the scientists and soon the weather became a chess game. When the balance of nature was disturbed by man's meddling, then the forces of nature banded together and retaliated against the Atlanteans. The flower and plant divas, mineral divas, water divas, and wind god all worked together to destroy the ones who had caused disturbances within the nature of their being. Among the Atlanteans were those of high spiritual nature, and many had learned to communicate with the spirit divas. They learned of the coming disaster, and many left Atlantis in mighty ships by sea and air. In this exodus, they took plants and flowers to other parts of the world for survival. These enlightened Atlanteans also buried coated crystals next to the plants and flowers, and also next to rock structures to help in the balance of the planet. When the upheaval came, thousands upon thousands of spirit divas were saved from destruction. Before the misuse of the towel stone or the great crystal, there were high priests that coded crystals with energies and frequencies of perfect balance. It was these crystals that were taken and buried around the world. They helped calm the spirit divas of the plant and mineral kingdom. They also, they also resonated to the crystal, 
pyramidal grid system and ley lines that help keep the magnetic balance of the planet. Because of man's misuse of power during the times of Atlantis, it became necessary to secret away information concerning the Spirit Diva Kingdom. A great treatise came forth, and it was decided by the celestial forces that rule this planet that the mysteries of the Diva world would only be revealed at a much later time and only to those who had not misused power in the past. And so it is now that those who once communicated with the Divas of the plant and mineral kingdoms are among some of your people on earth. Some have a natural tendency to communicate with flora and fauna already. Some have not been activated to their purpose as of yet. But it should not be long until their destinies will be revealed to them. There is a great need at this time for these people to be awakened to their natural ability to communicate with nature. For a calling has gone out once again to help bring balance between nature and man. These mediators of nature can help bridge the gap between nature spirits and man. Some have walked in during the November 17, 18, 19 period in order to set up systems of activation for these beings to be awakened to their missions. It is now important for starseeds, walk-ins, and light workers to learn the art of communication with the divas of nature. This art must also be taught to the New Age children, for it will be up to them to help keep the planet in balance after the earth changes. These children must be taught every aspect of nature. First, the reverence and respect of the Diva Kingdoms must be understood by all who reside on the planet. After the earth changes, it will not be too hard to explain it to them. Now is the time to find the right flower essence and combinations of flower essences to help activate those on the planet referred to as starseed, walk-ins, and lightworkers. This will help set up vibrations that will help them remember who they are and why they are here. It will calm their emotional nature and free them from old negative earth programming that has kept them in bondage for so long. It will strengthen their mind, body, and spirit toward a greater balance for the whole. Remember that every day that flower essence as well as gem elixirs are taken, then initiation of the spirit is at hand. Go now and produce these things that your mind and heart knows to be true. Take the crystals that were activated and coded by the genies of the Great Pyramid and distribute them to those that need additional help in activation. Also, plant crystals at the base of trees, granite rocks, streams, lakes, or any place where balance needs to be. Though tiny in size, each have been coated with energy's seven million times celestial power. You have, you have not yet a machine on earth with which to measure such stones. Once a crystal is planted, it will resonate and become like your domino theory. These tiny crystals will represent the balancing beam between nature and man. So be it. And of course, this reference is to the Giza crystals that were taken by Lavendar into the Great Pyramid during Pleiadian lineup of November 1718 19 of 1983. I'd also like to add a footnote to these chapters from the vault, and that is that for tens of thousands of years, Atlantis was the greatest civilization on Earth in balance, and it just was towards the end that things got so out of hand. So um, there are a lot of Atlanteans who are back today, and the code is never again Atlantis. Just remember that. We have two more short little pieces from the vault for you this evening. The first one kind of goes with music and flower essences, and this is The Color Spectrum, Other Dimensions. This was written by Lavendar on January 16, 1986, on the island of Aruba. 
Everything, without exception, on planet Earth is comprised of color, light, and sound. The harmonics of these extends the manifestation of rainbow colors. These rainbow colors can be demonstrated when the prism of light is focused through water, mist, or crystal. Earth is primarily a projection of seven color rays, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. These colors function within the third dimension spectrum. All modes of life are in synchronization with these seven color rays. During the age of Leo, when the continent of Atlantis was destroyed, a quarantine was placed around the planet of Earth. It became apparent that dimensional windows had been shut and communication was terminated from other life forms that resided in other dimensions. The law of change and flexibility of dimensions no longer applied to the third dimension. The cosmic quarantine established this manifestation. A celestial transmission was sent and formed a coded, locked, third-dimensional energy. This was closely monitored by the hierarchy that had been responsible for the cosmic quarantine. This was established to ensure a certain period of time for the inhabitants of Earth to experience a series of spiritual lessons based upon third-dimensional cosmic laws. Harmonics were established through color, light, and sound to match this third-dimensional manifestation. It was decided by the council members that not all beings on the planet would be bound by the quarantine. Special dispensation was given to 144,000 light beings to keep within their soul patterns memories of other dimensions and the coded harmonics of traveling through time and space. These light beings held within their blood crystals the coatings of entrances and exits of dimensional travel. Also, they held and still hold the resonating points and entire blueprints of evolution that one day will bring the planet Earth back to its original position before the destruction of Atlantis. It, it is through the teachings and instructions of these 144,000 that each and every zodiacal age were consummated and recorded upon Earth's records. The age of Aquarius has now approached, which is the opposite of Leo, and the time has come for Earth to be released from the cosmic quarantine and to function in co-creator space with other dimensions and other planets within the universe. The August Harmonic Convergence, August 15th through the 20th of 1987, brought forward a planetary alignment that not only reactivates the original 144,000 light beings, but also their offspring through bloodline transference of crystalline-coded measures. These beings will hold resonating fields of electro-biomagnetic energies that will help the planet and its people to move in symphony with the harmonics of the spheres. The harmonics of color will be experienced with intensified recollections of memory traces and colors may extend into other dimensional windows. Other dimensions have other harmonic systems based on varied colors. These colors are not demonstrated in the third dimension. Light beings of other dimensional species travel on these waves of frequency. All dimensions have different light, sound, and color velocity. Space travel, whether it be from planet or dimension, depends on the use of different color codes infused with light harmonics resonating on the wave factor. The original 144,000 hold the key codes on planet Earth concerning Earth's inhabitants venturing to other planets and dimensions. Their instructions and teachings regarding dimensional light color rays and the proper use of harmonics will help Earth and its inhabitants to travel to other star systems. There is a code of traveling referred to as hyperspace, which jumps, not goes through, dimensions. By this process, beings from far-reaching galaxies can visit other galaxies as fast as the speed of thought. 
One of the main principles of space travel is based upon crystal light rays that interlock with these harmonic waves, and without crystal, hyperspace travel would not be possible. There are many crystals, especially those from Arkansas, that have been coated to all colors of all planets and dimensions within this Cosmic Planning Commission. These crystals have been activated as planetary harmonics and will interlace varied color coatings. Some coated crystals will act as laser lights of spiraling energy pulling in from other dimension color codes of different evolutionary patterns. The distribution of these crystals around the world has helped not only the energy vortex of Earth, but helped bring balance back between man and nature. The tiny Giza crystals that have now circled the globe many times also hold within them the resonating frequencies of the 1987 August Harmonic Convergence. Those who helped in their distribution have received balancing beams. No machine has yet been invented to measure this kind of crystalline frequency. Let it be known that harmonic honor will resonate to every participant who helped in this global crystal distribution. The next piece, written by Lavendar, is about taking your power. This was written on August 19, 1986, and you may have noticed that nearly all of the writings that I have, uh, we have shared with you this evening were written on star dates. So this subject is taking your power. Taking your power through personal expression remains linear third dimensional manifestation. When one has power over things, objects, collective subconscious emotional desire to have power over things, then consciousness remains earthbound. Taking your power through cosmic understanding brings forth God manifestations unlimited in expression, powers that can create worlds or destroy them depending upon the intent of the will of manifestation. The test of power comes to those ready and capable of taking their power. Tests created by the entity before birth, many wait to come to the earth just for the test and lesson of power. Nowhere else can the polarity expressions exist in such duality as this planet. The tests are varied, power struggles in family units, community units, country units, etc. The test of power takes many souls through many lifetimes to have experiences in all kinds of power plays. The ultimate test for mastership of godhood is a simple one, but one that many overlook. Place no energy through thought or physical action that would interrupt nature's way of being. Only through complete union with nature can Godhood be achieved from the earth plane. Right use of power determines when ascension takes place, then one will have the force of power. Take power and make it a part of the symphony played by the celestial messengers and bodies of harmonic vibrations. The misuse of power has been the only factor in the destruction of other planets. Right use of will or divine right action was neither followed or declared valid when the final stroke of fate took over a planet by the misuse of power. In relation to that piece, here is another one written May 18, 1986 on the island of Aruba, and this is Relations About Power, written by Lavendar. In order to gain power, Sometimes one has to lose it. When power is given and taken away with the stroke of celestial precision, then it becomes a gift from the gods. When power is attained from a god or goddess state of awareness and maintained in proper balance, it is no longer a gift from the realms that rule this earth. Instead, it is a way of acknowledging equal status of the greatest creative power known in this universe. 
The only one that can take it away is the one in charge of his or her own power, which is connected to every celestial program in the heavens. Without this kind of awareness and acknowledgement of intent, many will come and go through the wheel of power. Some will take this power and wheel it for themselves in selfish actions, while others will wield this energy into energies that will unselfishly help the freedom of every soul everywhere and beyond. So let the lesson for today be, in order for one to take their power, they must unselfishly empower someone else and learn from every aspect what it means to use and misuse any power mode at any level of manifestation. How many of you can take your power and stand toe-to-toe, eye-to-eye with any god or goddess in the universe? Thought for the week. So, Lavendar, thank you for allowing me to present your material, Chapters from the Vault. Well, that is it for our show this evening, and I want to thank you all for listening, and we will be back next week. So until then, take care, and remember to count your blessings every day. Live with gratitude and grace. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. Good night. been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com.